0: It was a couple of years ago I was doing a detailed study of Jesus' teaching on the Mount of Olives, referred to as the Olivet Discourse. Something hit me that had never hit me before. Never noticed it. In that teaching, which by the way is the second largest, longest teaching recorded in Scripture, not one time does he bring up any sins of commission. Not one time not one time in that did he mention things sins that you committed like stealing or lying or adultery not like he discounted those but that was not his topic his topic was i was hungry and you did not feed me i was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink i was naked and you did not clothe me, and I was in prison, and you did not visit me. Now, I won't tell you, that convicted me. I never noticed that not one time in all of that long teaching did he talk about sins that we committed, but things that we omitted, things that we should have done, we should be doing, and we're not doing. Church, he's talking to us. And the reason I bring that up today is We've got a couple of opportunities coming up that you can be involved in. I I think it's our responsibility to provide opportunities for us to fulfill the Olivet Discourse. That there are people hungry in this world and we need to feed them. We need to do our part to that. We have an opportunity. I think it's the 27th of this month on a Saturday morning. We're going to pack meals for Haiti. I've been to Haiti twice. We've got a team going to Haiti in December there are people there that need food I've been there it's real it's real it's not make believe it's real we plan to pack listen to the number 42,000 meals 42,000 meals now you might say I can't go to Haiti but okay you can't go to Haiti you can come to Nineveh Christian Church on Saturday morning and you can pack those meals you'll bring $30 apiece, and that helps pay for these meals and ship them to Haiti. So I'm going to challenge the church. I think we need 150 people to pack meals, but we need more than that to commit to help pay for this. You've got an opportunity to be part of the Olivet Discourse. You won't be able to say you didn't know. Somebody told you, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I don't want to be on that list. I want to be on the list when you, I was hungry and you fed me. So here you go, the 27th. There's sign-up sheets. You can sign up to work for a two-hour time slot. Uh, we did it last year. It's fun. $30, and you pack food in little bags, and it's going to go to Haiti. And by the way, it's not just going to a random place in Haiti. It's going to the place in Haiti that we support as a church and that our team is going to in December. So these aren't random people, not that there's anything wrong with that, but we know who they are. And secondly, that team that's going to Haiti in December still needs some financial assistance. They're they're leaving right after Christmas and going, and you can be a part of that. You you want to be a part of these ministries? You know, help them fund some of that. They're They're paying a lot of this out of their own pockets. Help them. Be a part of it. That's what the church does. All right, now I can move on. We've been preaching through the book of Acts. And chapter 12 opens with something nobody wants to deal with. I don't want to deal with it. You don't want to deal with it. But if we live long enough and the Lord tarries, we're going to deal with it. It's called persecution. King Herod Agrippa, that's his name, is going to kill the apostle John's brother. He's going to put him to death. Why? One reason. He's a Jesus follower. He's going to put him to death. The king is going to kill John's brother. His name is James. James is one of the original four that were called by Jesus Peter, Andrew, James, and John. We're going to open up Acts chapter 12. It's serious stuff, it's not entertainment. This is absolute truth. We need to understand what truth is. Verse 1. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. This King Herod was the nephew of Herod Antipas, the one that beheaded John the Baptist. This King Herod was the grandson of Herod the Great, the one that the wise men came to and the one that had all the male children in Bethlehem killed under the age of two. These three Herods are all kings of Judea while under Roman rule. Herod Agrippa, the one we're talking about today, comes from a long line of murderers. This family has murdered countless people. His murder of the Apostle James was a direct attack upon the church. And the unbelieving, here's the amazing thing, and the unbelieving Jews loved it. His attack upon James was an attack upon the church. The unbelieving Jews saw the church as a threat to their way of life. So they were happy to see James murdered, even though James was Jewish. That's how much they didn't like the church. Herod wanted the favor and cooperation of the Jewish leaders. So he then goes after the church's leader. The Jews liked it when, they, when he took out James, so the Jews will really like it if I go get Peter, right? Let's go get Peter. Peter. This brings up two questions today. Everybody listen. Two questions. Why didn't God protect the apostle James from death? Number two. Will God allow Peter to be killed too? You got to look at it this way. Why did James die? Couldn't God have stopped it? And is is Herod going to have the ability to go kill Peter? Because that's what he wants to do. Do you struggle with these types of questions? Let me propose an answer to these two questions. Questions that have been asked since the church began. When you are called by God and receive Christ by faith, you belong to God. When you become a believer in Christ, when you are born again of the blood, you're born again By the Spirit and by the water. You're born again. You're not the same person. You belong to Christ. He has purchased your life. He bought you. Your life has been purchased and belongs to God for His divine purpose, for His divine glory, and listen, listen, for His divine schedule. You have given your life to Christ To use however he sees fit. And when he is finished with your life, he will bring you home. You see, you do not belong, when you come to Christ, you do not belong to yourself anymore. Your schedule belongs to him because you belong to him. And when he is finished with you, he'll come get you. Do you believe that? You see, I can only assume that God was finished with James. James had done all that James needed to do. And God came and he got James. James had finished his earthly assignment. His mission was complete. When Jesus had finished his earthly assignment, what did he do? He died. And he went home to the Father. Are you surprised that the followers of Jesus might do the same thing? We might complete our earthly assignment because we belong to the Father. We have been purchased by the Father. We are ordained by the Father. We are inhabited by the Spirit of Christ. We complete our mission, and He comes and gets us. That's what Jesus did. This is what Jesus said before He went to the cross to be executed, completing His mission, completing His purpose. In John seventeen four, Jesus says this, I brought glory to you here on earth. He's talking to his Father. So Jesus is looking to his Father and says, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Jesus understood that he belonged to the Father. And the way you bring glory to the Father is completing the work he gives you to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory. In other words, bring me back home Bring me to the glory we shared before the world began. I have this idea. I have this idea that a person that belongs to God... everybody Some of you are going to dispute this, but it's my idea. I have this idea that a person who belongs to God cannot die until they finish their assignment. I have this idea that a person who belongs to God cannot die until god says you're finished now i also believe that that doesn't give us license to test god that you can say that and then you run out here and jump in front of a truck and say well let's just see if terry's right jesus satan tried to test jesus remember when he stood and jumped down jesus from the high point of the temple And God will command his angels to rescue him. And what was Jesus' answer? You shall not test the Lord your God. What were Jesus' final words on the cross? It is finished. What's finished? The assignment. I gave you glory by completing the assignment you gave me to do. Now bring me home. Bring me home. I can only suppose that James was finished. But that's not the question this chapter 12 opens, is it? But what about Peter? Because Herod, the murdering Herod, is coming for Peter. Verse 3. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, what? The murdering of James. He also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned Peter placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Now, I want you to get the number. That's 16 soldiers around Peter. You think Peter must have looked like the Incredible Hulk or something? Why well, you need 16 soldiers? Because they know about these guys. Something's unusual about these guys. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover but while Peter was in prison, the church prayed. Don't read over this. While Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Why? Why are they praying earnestly? Because James is dead. And it looks like Peter's next. Why didn't Herod just kill Peter with the sword like he did James? James. Come on, when you read the story, why didn't Harry? It doesn't say that there was a trial for James. I don't know if there was or not. Looks like he just had him s- struck with a sword. Why didn't he just do that to Peter? You have to ask the question. Why prison? Why does he go to jail? why is it some time between the jail and the trial? Why? God's not finished with Peter. Now I need to say something important here. God knows when you've finished your assignment, but I doubt that you do. Do you hear me? I need to say something really important because you can, you can take this out of context. You see, I'm convinced God knows when I have finished my assignment, but I doubt very seriously that I will know. But he knows. Therein lies the issue of trust. Therein lies the issue of faith. I just believe that I belong to him and that he determined my first day and he will determine my last day. And I must trust in his providence. Does Peter in prison know that God has big plans for him? Does Peter, now in prison, knowing that James is dead, does he know that God has big plans for me, that I'm not finished yet? Does the church under Peter's leadership know? Don't worry, God's not finished yet. I doubt it. I I imagine they're fearful that James is dead and they're going to get Peter. They don't know. So what do they do? They pray. That's good counsel. They pray for God to save Peter. That's good counsel when you don't know. When you you look around you and the circumstances look out of control, when you look around you and the circumstances look like, this isn't making any sense, just pray. That's what they did. Verse 6. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. How hard would it be to sleep in that condition? Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the sail and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off. They fell off his wrist. Then the angel told Peter, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. Did you notice that the angel didn't come until the night before the trial? Anybody notice that? Because I noticed that. Why? How long was he in prison? Is the angel late? Don't read over the details. Peter is fastened by two chains. He's sleeping between two Roman soldiers with more Roman soldiers guarding the gate. And a bright light has entered the dark sail. The angel of the Lord strikes Peter on the side. Are they whispering? Would you be afraid to wake up the guards? Does the angel whisper? Do angels whisper? Does it matter? Was it a loud angel or was it a quiet angel? The chains fell off of Peter. He puts on his clothes and he puts on his shoes. Peter, you're not finished. I don't know what Peter thought was going to happen in jail and what was going to happen when Herod Agrippa comes to get him the next day, but here's the message from God. Peter, you're not finished. That's what this scene says to me. You're not finished. The angel has appeared in the jail cell and said simply, you're not finished. Get up. Let's go. That'd be a really good message for the church today. You're not finished. Get up, let's go. It's time. Peter, you belong to God, and God is not finished with you. Therefore, they can't kill you. Let's go. Our staff here at the church went to Savannah, Georgia for a ministry conference this past February. We went because we felt there was a time that we needed to go somewhere and be refreshed ourselves. So we went to Savannah, Georgia, all of our ministry staff here at the church, and it was in the very first session that I felt God speak a word to my heart. I was absolutely blown away that he did it so soon in the first session that I sat in. It was powerful, and I took a pen and I wrote it down so that I wouldn't forget it. I thought of that moment as I was reading the story of the angel breaking Peter out of prison. I wrote down six things that day that I have not shared. It's very personal. But when I was reading this chapter 12, I thought, I need to share those six things with you. Number one. All of it is in regard to this right here. God is not finished yet. And if God's not finished then I'm not finished, because I'm still here. Number one, I am not too old. I'm 61 years old. I concluded the word that God spoke to my heart is, you're not too old. Number two, I'm not finished yet. Number three, it's not too late. Number four, Lawrenceburg is not too small. Number five, God's arm is not too short. And number six, don't underestimate God's long-term plans. I don't know why in that setting those six things happened. I don't know why, but I know what I heard. I wrote them down. I felt that God through the Holy Spirit was communicating something to me. I wonder, I, I, looking back, I wonder if I was secretly, even though I didn't know it, struggling with those six things and maybe i was even unaware that i was struggling with those six things i wonder what peter was struggling with as he watched his beloved friend james die what's he struggling with i wonder what peter was struggling with while he was chained between two roman soldiers is this it am i finished am i done am i going to get what james got I wonder what you might be struggling with today in the room. I don't know, but I know this. You are not in this room by accident. I don't know what you're struggling with in Acts chapter 12. And let me just say, did you think this was going to be easy? This whole following Jesus thing? Did you think it's going to be easy to deny yourself, take up a cross and follow this man from Nazareth? Did you think it's going to be easy? It's not going to be easy. Do you belong to God? Does He own you? Have you given your life to Him? Has He purchased your life with the blood of His only begotten Son? If you have, you're not finished until He says you're finished. You're not finished until He says you're finished. So, church, get your heads up. You're not done. We're not overwhelmed. We're not beaten. It looks like a lot of things in the world are out of control, but he is in absolute control. We're not finished. Verse 3, John chapter 14. When everything is ready, I will come and get you. Until then, what? We're not finished. When everything is ready, this is the promise of Jesus Christ. And if you are finished, let me tell you something. If you're in the room today, and let's just say that some of you are about finished. When you are finished, he will come and get you. He's not going to abandon you. You have his promise, one way or the other. If you are finished, like James was finished, he'll come and get you. If you're not finished, like Peter, he will ensure you, he will put his angels around you until you are finished. Either case, in the end, he comes and gets you. You can't lose. I'm going to read verse 3 again. When everything is ready, Jesus says, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you'll always be with me where I am. When you're finished, when everything is ready, when everything is finished on earth, you have a promise. He's going to come get me. Do you know why? Do you know why? Have you ever thought about it deeply? Why? Because you belong to him. He purchased you. He purchased Peter. He purchased James. He purchased me. I love this next part of the story. I can see the human side of this man named Peter. I can see the humanity of the church compared to the humanity of the church today. Verse 9. So Peter left the cell. Now, what's, what just happened? The angel shown up, the chains fell off. Get up, let's go. So Peter left the cell, following the angel but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. (coughs) So I want to pause for a moment because you know what? When I read that, I can identify that because I have confessed to you on multiple occasions, I am a sleepwalker. So I, I wonder if Peter in this moment, if he thinks I'm sleepwalking, I am, I am, this is not real that I have just dreamed that there's an angel in here and I have just dreamed that he took my chains off and he's leading me out of the jail with 16 guards around me. I've just had this dream. Peter doesn't even realize it's real. Not yet. I can identify with that because I can tell you I had two experiences, both of them in Japan, that absolutely, I thought was absolutely, I don't know. I don't even know what to say. One is... I am on the eighth floor of a hotel, and I go, and I'm asleep, I'm asleep, I'm walking, I I wake up, when I wake up, I am standing on a fire escape on the eighth floor with a trap door that you pull up, and when you pull up the trap door, there's steps that go down to the seventh floor. I'm trying to get that trap door open when I wake up, and I can't get back in my room, because it locked. And I sleep with clothes on. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> so I have to go down to the, to the lobby to some little Japanese girl who can barely speak any English and convince her to let me back in my room so that I don't get arrested in Japan. Well, that was the first one. The second one, it happened again. It wasn't on the same trip. Was, the second one is I, I did it again. I, I, I needed to get out of that room. I don't know, I had to get out of that room. So I'm sleepwalking, and I walk out of that room, same thing. That door slams behind you. When you're sleepwalking, you don't think about putting that key in your pocket. So I'm out walking down the hallway, and, and this one's even more miraculous. I go down, while I'm asleep, I go down to the front desk. And when I wake up, I'm standing in front of the front desk looking at this lady. And I am just wake up, and she's like, She's about this tall. She's looking up at me, thinking, what's he going to do? And I said, can I get back in my room? So here's Peter. Now, I've already told you the bull story, I'm not going into that one anymore. Here's Peter. He thinks this is a dream. This is so far-fetched what there's an angel that just showed up and the angel just said get up Peter your chains fall off there's 16 guards around him and that the door swings open and we're going to leave this place am i awake is this a dream is this real verse 9 again so Peter left the cell following following the angel but all the time he thought it was a vision he didn't realize it was actually happening They passed the first and second guard post and came to the iron gate leading to the city, and this opened for them all by itself. Surely he's dreaming, right? So they passed through and they started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him. Well, here's a question What about the guards? Can they hear? What about the chains dropping off? What about the rusty iron gate opening? Is everybody a sound sleeper? Am I sleepwalking? Is this dream real? Now, here's what's big. Here's what's big. What is Peter doing in the jailbreak? This is big. I hope you don't don't, don't miss this. What's Peter's part in this story? Nothing. Nothing. He doesn't even know it's real. Is Peter plotting to break out of jail? no can peter break out of jail no what's peter's part he doesn't have a part you know why he belongs to god it's god's job he is fully sufficient to pull off a jailbreak peter's part nothing he's not even sure he's conscious he's not even sure if he's sleepwalking and what does this tell you god's not finished with peter and nothing stops god Chains can't stop God. Soldiers can't stop God. Iron gates can't stop God. Herod, Agrippa, cannot stop God when God is not finished. Nothing in all creation can stop God from completing His plan in and through those who belong to Him. Church, that's us. Nothing in, nothing in creation can stop God's plan in and through those who belong to Him. It's unstoppable. This is how the Apostle Paul describes the spiritual truth to those called by God. Those who belong to God and, are, and are, they're in the middle of fulfilling God's plan because they belong to God. Romans chapter 8. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have troubles? Peter in jail. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have troubles? If we have calamity? If our circumstances are out of control? Does it mean that God's finished with me? What about if you're persecuted? What about if you're hungry? Or destitute? Or in danger? Or threatened? Did you think this was going to be easy? Church, Did you think this was going to be easy? Here's the danger of the modern America prosperity gospel. The modern American prosperity gospel tells you that when you come to Jesus, everything's fixed. And then you go out into the real world and find out it's not fixed at all. And suddenly you lose your faith because you were sold a lie. It does not mean it's going to be easy. It just means it'll be worth it. There's a difference. Verse 36 As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. Who told you it was going to be easy? No, despite all these things. Despite the trouble, the persecution, the hunger, the opposition. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Overwhelming victory is ours because of Christ. Who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Nothing means nothing. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord. King Herod can't stop what God has started this is where so many Christians struggle some of you sitting in this room today right now you're struggling does trouble calamity persecution hunger poverty danger death mean God is finished with you no who told you that no James is dead and Peters in prison and guess what God is still working out his plan for the church and each person in the church. He's still doing his thing. Nothing changed. James got to go home and Peter got a testimony, right? Look at this story. James got to go home and Peter got a testimony. And some of you in the room would say under your breath, I don't want that kind of testimony. You belong to God. Peter got a personal escort out of prison. And he has a moment to realize what's just happened. Verse 11. Peter finally came to his senses. I guess he woke up. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. Peter's not finished because God's not finished with Peter. That's a defining moment. I'm not finished because God's not finished. And I'm not going to be finished until he's finished. And if he is finished, guess what? He'll come get me. As I read these next few verses, I see humor. And I see the church's present reality. Verse 12. When Peter realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered in prayer. Why are they praying? They're praying to get Peter out of jail, right? Of course, they don't know that Peter's out of jail. He, Peter knocks at the door and the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. Peter walks into the prayer meeting that has been assembled to ask God to set him free. Peter is shocked to be there himself. Let's begin there. Peter himself is shocked. He's just now realized what's happened, and now Rhoda is also shocked, and it gets better. She's so excited, she forgets to open the door. Next verse, verse 14. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter's standing at the door. That's what everybody's praying for, right? Peter's out there. Peter's out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go get coffee. Peter's out there. Peter's out there. You're out of your mind, they said. When, he, when she insisted, they decided, this is why I think it's so funny, when she insisted, no, it's Peter. No, it's an angel. This is where I find humor in the reality of church people. Why are they surprised when God answers their prayers? Number one. And what does that say about the faith of your prayer life? Why are they surprised? That God actually is doing What you ask him to do. (gasps) He does that? To them, to them, it was easier to them. It was easier to believe that there's an angel pretending to be Peter than it's Peter. It was easier. In that context, in that context, I want to do something. Listen to these powerful and convincing, convicting words of Jesus. Matthew 17. Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out that demon? Now, I've got to give you some context. These disciples, Jesus had sent them out, and they had cast out demon, cast out demon, cast out demon, cast out demon, but they came across this one demon they couldn't cast out. So they say, why couldn't we cast out that demon? And Jesus answers, you don't have enough faith. I tell you the truth, if you had... Faith, even as small as a mustard seed. You could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move nothing. Nothing, nothing would be impossible, but you don't have enough faith. Is that kind of talk only for apostles? When you read that, you, this this how much faith you have determines the power of your prayer life. Is that just apostle talk? That I'm really, that doesn't apply to the church, does it? You be wrong. This is what James, the brother of Jesus, James, not the James that was killed by Herod. This is what James writes. James 5, 16. He says, confess your... By the way, he's talking to the church. He's talking to you and me. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power, and produces wonderful results. Do you believe that? I do. And he gives an example of the earnest prayer of a righteous person. He says, Elijah was a human just like we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. Let's go back to Peter. We've left him knocking at the door. Inside, you know what they're doing? Debating angels. Peter's knocking at the door. Verse 16. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were what? They are amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down, told them how the Lord had, laid, had led him out of prison, tell James, that's the brother of Jesus, tell James and the other brothers what happened he said and then he went to another place amazed amazed i like that word let me ask you a question are you amazed by the by your prayers or the prayers of the church are you amazed see when i read the book of acts these words keep coming up amazed perplexed astonished and astounded that's the church amazed, perplexed, astonished, and astounded. They're amazed. Wow, this praying stuff works. We pray for Peter, and Peter's here. Are you amazed by your prayers, by the prayers of the church? Are you amazed by this unstoppable calling of God that Herod can't stop God's plan and God's people who are operating under God's plan? Are you finished? Let me ask everybody in the room a question. Are you finished? Or are you willing to let God decide when you're finished? Are you? Is the best behind you or in front of you? Everybody evaluate your life. I don't care whether you're 14 years old or whether you're 80 years old. Evaluate your current circumstance. you believe your best is in front of you or your best is behind you? How you answer that question determines what you think about this. You think God's finished? See, I don't propose to know what God's got next for me or for you. But I know this. I'm not finished until he says I'm finished. And when I am finished, I believe one thing with confidence. He'll come get me. But not until I'm finished. And not until he's finished. Amazed. You see, Abraham... Listen, Abraham, God didn't even come talk to him until he was 75. So some of you older ones in the group, you think, well, you know, my best years are behind me. Who told you that? Who told you that? You made that up. Amazed. That might be a good word to describe the soldiers when they woke up. This is serious. Verse 18, at dawn there was a great commotion among the soldiers about what had happened to Peter. Herod Agrippa ordered a thorough search for him. When he couldn't be found, Herod interrogated the soldiers, the guards, and he sentenced them to death. Afterward, Herod left Judea to stay at Caesarea for a while. This story wasn't so funny to the soldiers, was it? Herod didn't think it was funny either. Everybody listen, everybody listen. This story is about life and death. People are dying in this story. Herod wanted to kill Peter, and what happened? Listen, you want to see how God operates? Herod wanted to kill Peter, and God turned this thing so upside down that Herod ended up killing his own soldiers. This story's turning around. Can you see it? Who's turning it around? It's not Peter. Peter still thinks he's sleepwalking. Who's turning the story around? It's not Peter. Why? God is not finished. Those soldiers paid the ultimate price for being on the wrong side of this story. They're on the wrong side. I'm going to ask you again, who do you belong to? You don't want to be on the wrong side of this story. And there are only two sides. Herod's about to find out what happens when you're on the wrong side of the story. All of mankind's going to find out one day what it's like to be on the wrong side of the story. Those guards figured it out. Too late. Acts 12, verse 20. Here we go. Let's continue the story. Now Herod was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. So they sent a delegation to make peace with him because their cities were dependent upon Herod's country for food. The delegates won the support of Blastus, Herod's personal ascendants, and an appointment with Herod was granted. When the day arrived, Herod put on his royal robe, sat on his throne, and made a speech to them. The people gave him a great ovation, shouting, It's the voice of a god, not a man. Herod, you're wonderful. And instantly... Instantly, an angel of the Lord struck Herod with a sickness because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving the glory to God, so he was consumed with worms and he died. The angel of the Lord that set Peter free has now executed King Herod. I told you God was not finished, and I'm going to tell you, don't be on the wrong side of the story. Herod killed James, and Herod tried to kill Peter, but Herod found out about the God of James, and Herod found out about the God of Peter. He found out too late, but he found out. Found out what? Found out what a lot of people still have not figured out, a singular important truth. There is no one like him. No one. Never has been and never will be. There is no one like him. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, look at this singular verse. Look now. A word from God. Look now. I myself am he. There is no other God but me. I am the one who kills and I am the one who gives life. I am the one who wounds and heals. No one else can be rescued. No one can be rescued from my powerful hand. No one means no one. Yes, Herod killed James with a sword, but James is not dead. Somebody say amen. Yes, Herod killed James with a sword, but James is not dead. God came and got him. And God came and got him, and he carried him with angels to the place of Abraham called Paradise. But I'm going to ask you a question, and then we'll close. Who's going to come get Herod? Who's going to come get you? Herod's dead and Peter's free. Now what? Anyone want to guess? In this story, Herod's dead and Peter's free. Verse 24. Meanwhile, meanwhile, so what's, what's going to happen now? Meanwhile, the word of God continues to spread. Anybody see it? You can't stop it. You can't stop it. All you're going to do is hurt yourself. Meanwhile, Herod's dead, Peter's free. Meanwhile, the word of God continued to spread. And there were many new believers. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission to Jerusalem, they returned taking John Mark with them. The word of God is unstoppable. Why? Because it is the word of God. It is not the word of Peter. It is not the word of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It is the word of God. And if you bet your life against it, you'll be on the wrong side of the story. If you resist it, if you try to stop it, if you try to deny it, you will only harm yourself. Do you remember back in Acts chapter 5, they were trying to stop Peter and John from preaching this word about Jesus. They, They forbid them to say, quit talking about Jesus. They were ready to kill them. They were ready to kill Peter and John when a man named Gamaliel a Jewish wise guy. I mean, really, he was wisdom. And he, and he steps in front of the Sanhedrin council, and here's what he says. Acts chapter 5, 38. So my advice, leave these men alone. Now, now Gamaliel's not a Christian, okay? He's not a Jesus follower. Leave these men, Peter and John. Leave these men alone. Let them go. If they are planning to do these things merely on their own, it will soon be overthrown. But if it is from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourself fighting against God. Herod found himself fighting against God. You'll lose. You can't stop the gospel. I'm going to hold it up. You can't stop the gospel because it is not the word of man. It is the word of God. Do you believe this story? Today, I have read you Acts chapter 12. Do you believe this story is the word of God? Do you believe this story is absolute truth? Or do you believe it's just some kind of a story that somebody wrote a long time ago? There is no neutral on this. Go ask the soldiers. There's no neutral. People are dying in this story. Yes, it's true. Some people are dying because they have finished their God-given assignment and God has come in to get them. His name was James. Others are dying and God's not coming for them. The soldiers, Herod, they are going to the place of the dead. Listen, here's the truth. Some people are dying and God's coming to get them, taking them to Abraham's side in paradise. And some people are dying and they're not going to survive. They're, God's not going to come for them. They're going to find themselves in the place of the dead forever separate from God. Do you think God is finished with you? What if things get rough around here? What if persecution breaks out against the church? Will you quit? Let me be be specific. What if they start putting Christians in jail who will not Deny the name and the word. What do you do? What will you do? Are you finished? Will you, will you be finished then? Will you get suddenly silent? Will you deny the name Jesus and the word? I'm holding it. Will you? Because many are. You won't say the name where you work because you're afraid you'll offend somebody. Or you won't even acknowledge the absolute authority of God's Word because you're afraid it'll offend somebody. Matthew 24, 9. This is what Jesus says about that. And you won't be neutral. Here's what he says is going to happen. Then you will be arrested. You'll be persecuted and you'll be killed. And you'll be hated all over the world because, why? One reason. One reason. You are my followers. And many will turn away. These are church people. And many will turn away and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear. And they'll deceive many people. And sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many, not a few, many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end. The one who endures to the end will be saved. Why? Because they're not finished yet. And then something's going to happen. It's unstoppable. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it. And then, and not until then, the end will come. You know, this is going to be preached to all the nations. It's unstoppable. And then the end will come. Have you completed the work that God has given you to do? Are you sure? I'm going to ask Chad to come out for the invitation. You see, I've concluded I'm not finished yet. And I'll tell you, I'll be finished when he's finished. And I don't want to be finished until he's finished. I'm going to ask you, are you finished yet? Some of you, this is a good day for you to rededicate your life to God. To take a simple message. That God is going to carry the gospel to the world. You can't stop him. But you can be a part of it, or you can be opposed to it, but there is no neutral. Are you finished? Or are you just getting warmed up? We're going to open an invitation, and, and if during this invitation the Holy Spirit speaks a word to you, respond. Let's stand. If I told you my story You would hear hope You wouldn't let go And if I told you my story You would hear love And never gave up And if I told you my story